You're listening to the podcast version of the Recruit of Talionis audiobook, book one in the Talionis series. I'm your narrator, writer, and host, award-winning author C.J. Malesi. Each week, we'll bring you further into the mysterious and dangerous dystopian world of Talionis and Bria's fight for survival. If you haven't been following along with us up until now, be sure to check out the previous episodes. Now, grab your favorite hot beverage and hold on tight as we dive back in. Chapter 14 Our instructor hasn't arrived yet. Soldiers remain around the perimeter of the octagonal room, keeping conversation among the recruits at a minimum. No one wants to be hit or shocked or made to do push-ups. My arms ache at the thought. Chairs are lined up in rows all around the room on wide stairs descending to the center floor where a podium stands. Narrow aisles break the rows of chairs into pie-shaped sections, and glass-like panels line the walls and the desks in front of us. I catch sight of Shay in the front row, posture rigid. The strange desire to reassure her fills me, but I shake it off. If I go down there, I'll, once again, draw attention to myself and to her. I know Shay well enough to know she'd be furious about that. A door opens across the room and a woman enters. She's not in uniform like the soldiers. Instead, she's wearing a black skirt, red blouse, and heels that click against the floor as she bustles to the podium. What are all of you doing here? She waves her hand at the soldiers. Out? Now? You know you're not welcome in my classroom. I watch with wide eyes as the soldiers salute her and then leave the room. Once the doors close behind them, the woman offers a warm smile. I am so sorry about that. From now on, I'll ensure the soldiers don't follow you in here for your educational training. This is a safe place for you. I blink. What is going on? Now, let's begin. She taps at a screen on her podium, and then her head flies up. Dear me, I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Instructor Elva Trill, but you can call me Miss Elva. She moves out from behind the podium and stands to the right of it, one hand still resting on the top. In this room, you will learn what it means to be a part of the marvelous city of Talionis. If you aren't yet sure why you should become an integral part of our commander's plan— then I do hope you will find every reason to right here in educational training. Trill repositions herself behind the podium. Her fingers tap away at something I can't see, and suddenly the room is plunged into darkness. A moment later, the panels around the room light up with a picture of a map. Today, we will begin with a brief history of the rest of the world, one you are unfamiliar with because it is the synopsis of what happened after the demise of North America. I lean forward in my chair, studying the map. On the screens around the room, you are seeing a map of the world as it once was and how the nations and lands were divided. There was tension among these nations, but a sort of understanding was in place that kept that tension from escalating until the fateful day when everything changed. 
the image changes to another map of the same region but with specific countries highlighted in red. A picture of an intimidating group of mostly men and a few women appears next to the map. The nations in red, led by the countries called Russia, China, and Iran at the time, those places on the map seem to rise higher than the rest, popping out of the wall but including all the other nations highlighted, created an act that they planned to bring to the International Meeting for the Maintenance of Peace. It was called the Redistribution of Power Act, informally known as ROPA, and the nations who formed the act called themselves the Alliance. The photograph next to the map increases in size, and the words the Alliance are now displayed below it. The act dictated that all world powers at the time were to remove their troops and embassies from wherever they were stationed around the world. When Ropa was presented, it was immediately ridiculed and voted down, the loudest opposer of the act being the president of what was once the United States of America, President Lena Oberville. The map and picture fade to the background, and a picture of a woman appears over them, blondish brown hair cascading about her face and green eyes flashing. I stare at the image, almost wishing I could feel a sense of camaraderie or attachment to the woman who once led the land that I've grown up in, but I don't feel anything. Maybe that's because the country she led was nothing like the region I know and call home, even though it's only been two generations. The alliance grew silent in the face of the opposition, and the rest of the world believed the act was no longer an issue. They were wrong. Trill's voice drops to a grave tone, and all the images on the wall fade to black, immersing the room in darkness. A beat of silence follows, and then she speaks again. The United States of America was unexpectedly and brutally attacked. The screens on the walls burst to life, and moving images of people and attacks and terror project from them, filling the room. My heart skips a beat. The image of a child near Storm's age pops up in front of me. She's crying, frightened, and then there's an explosion, and she's gone. I press back into my seat, gasping, but as much as I want to, I can't look away from the surrounding images. They draw me into a story and a time that, before this moment, I never really cared to think about. A time that I didn't think mattered. But it did. These were real people, and my parents were right to insist we respect their memory. It's silent around me as we all take in the unimaginable destruction and death of a nation. The images change, showing different places, different people, one instant living their lives, bustling about a city or a town, appearing as though they are walking among us, and the next, gone. I can almost smell the smoke rising from the ruined buildings, taste the desperation of those writhing in pain on the ground. Each image is more disturbing than the last, and I find myself unable to watch anymore. I close my eyes but I still see the images. The devastation was so great. Trill interrupts the silence, and my eyes crack open. The pictures are back on the walls, no longer people moving around us. The attacks so rapid and fierce that the entire landscape was drastically altered. Out of the corner of my eye, I can tell more images are flashing across the screens, but I keep my gaze focused on Trill. 
before any nation could come to the aid of the small fraction of survivors in North America, the Alliance began to attack countries around the world. The World War for Power had begun. I sit and listen as Trill describes a war I knew nothing about, a war that impacted the world. She details the nations involved, countries and names that mean nothing to me, and apparently they now have no meaning anywhere else in the world. Everything has changed from what it once was before the demise of America, before the World War for Power. A pain pulses in my right hand, and I realize I'm gripping the arm of my chair with such force that my hand is turning white. I pry my fingers up, wiggling them until the feeling returns. It appeared the Alliance would win until a special task force formed to find a weakness in the regime found a way to defeat them. The Alliance's weaknesses were exploited, and in a final death blow, they were brought down. I dare a glance at the screens and see overhead images looking down at armies surrendering, destroyed buildings and cities, and the weary but relieved faces of those who had stopped the Alliance from gaining complete power. After the destruction and havoc that was wreaked across the globe, old borders and nations were done away with, new countries were formed, and, by international vote, the leaders of these new nations were to be the members of the special unit that was responsible for bringing down the alliance. Trill pauses and pushes a button. The picture of a stern-looking woman with black hair and a deep olive complexion, her face lined from hours of worry and strain, fills each screen. One of the people in the unit was a woman named Donatella Satria. The country of Satria was named after her, and she became the Chancellor of Satria. The territory includes pieces of nations that were once a part of the European Union. Another map appears, focusing in on the country of Citria. North America was, in a great sense, forgotten as the rest of the world rebuilt after the war. Many believed there could be few, if any, survivors after the attacks and the fallout from them, and because of the work ahead in rebuilding the rest of the world, everyone was content with that assumption. A flicker of anger sparks in me at those who would ignore our needs, but the weight of what I've learned and seen quickly extinguishes it. At least we had Arendelle. I wonder why she didn't mention the mountain refuge. Maybe they don't know about it or the role it played in helping survivors not only immediately after the demise, but in the years since. Years passed, and rumors of survivors lingered. Trill's voice takes on an animated tone. One man from Citria decided to take matters into his own hands to see if those rumors could be true. Fifteen years ago, after receiving the permission of the Chancellor of the Citrian region, Commander Demetrius Ark set out with men, women, and children to create a city where those desolate and broken survivors could live. Indeed, not just live, but thrive. Trill's hands paint the words in the air, the excitement in her voice increasing and carrying with it a note of awe. Some of the weight of the past dissipates as I watch Trill fling her arms into the air, her actions reminiscent of an awkward bird. This undertaking was difficult. Our commander was met with challenge after challenge. From clearing away debris... A new picture flashes on the screen of men and women clearing land. To building the beautiful structures you see surrounding you. 
another picture of the buildings being built, to creating a safe environment where young and old alike could flourish, a picture of families gathered on a grassy knoll, smiling and eating a meal together, to dealing with the heartbreaking betrayal of those he thought he could trust. But he has greeted each a challenge as an opportunity to better himself for the sake of his people. Trill's voice crackles with emotion. You, the survivors of the demise, were not brought in before now because our commander wanted everything to be functioning and ready, not one thing out of place. But the time has finally come for us to open the gates of Talionis and bring in the survivors to show you a life unlike any you have ever before experienced. She seriously expects us to believe this? Her words about the history of the world held the substance and pressure of truth, but this stuff about Talionis and whoever this commander is, there's more going on than what she would have us believe. In his wisdom, our commander has decided to begin by bringing in the youth, the young, talented, strong, and the brightest of every village of survivors. And you, she spreads her arms wide to encompass all of us, are the ones he has chosen to be recruits of Talionis. You have received a great honor and privilege in being selected. The training will not be easy, but once completed, he will place you in a position that suits you best, where you will thrive and be able to serve the purposes of Talionis in unfathomable ways. You will be those who will go forth to create and lead new cities and villages across North America. You will bring a new hope and life to this region under the leadership of the Commander." She continues droning on about the greatness of our commander and the wonders of Talionis, but I stop listening. For years, I've wanted to be someone who brings new hope and life to this region by being a scout for Arendelle. I've wanted to be a part of rebuilding what was destroyed to help remove the sting of the past. My chest tightens. That can't possibly be what they're doing here. You don't make someone's life better by wrenching them away from everyone and everything they love. There's no way they could desire to help this region when their first act here is to kidnap all the young people. I shift in my seat. That's the other thing that doesn't make sense. Trill is the second person to say we were chosen. How could they have possibly known which ones to choose? I'm not sure exactly what this commander's agenda is, but it's not what Trill is saying. It can't be. How could the very things I've wanted to do to make my life mean something be the things Talionis is trying to accomplish? The mere possibility makes me sick. The room brightens again, the screens going black. Trill finishes her monologue. My greatest advice to you is to be excited about the journey you are about to embark on. I, for one, am excited to be one of your guides as you begin. Does she actually have tears in her eyes? This woman is crazy. Now, before you go on to your next training, I have a little something for you. She pushes a button and the doors around the room open. Men and women dressed as kitchen staff enter with trays full of cookies and set them on the tables. What is going on? Nika asks. I shrug. This is not what I expected. The servers leave. Everyone stays frozen in their seats. Maybe this is a test. Eat your cookies, 
take some time to relax. You've gone through a lot of change, but I promise it will be worth it. She smiles. I'll come back to get you when it's time to head to your next training. With that, she goes to the table in the front row, picks up a cookie, pats Shay on the shoulder, and leaves the room. Shay reaches for a cookie, and other recruits follow suit. They've left us alone, or at least they want us to think they left us alone. I don't understand how things work here, but I know these people can't be trusted. Recruits stand, form groups, chat with one another, and enjoy cookies, but I stay seated. Nika elbows me. Want a cookie? Nah, thanks. She eyes them, but doesn't reach for one. Probably a good idea. Shay saunters up the aisle, nibbling at her chocolate chip cookie. Her eyes brighten when she sees me, and she comes over. That was something, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't realize how bad things were, I say. Wish I could unsee all those images, Nika adds. Shay nods and leans forward. They were disturbing, but the commander's plan, maybe this place isn't as bad as it seemed at first. I gape at her. What? Didn't you hear Miss Elva? When she says the woman's name, Shay's voice softens like she's referring to her favorite aunt. Talionis is going to help the survivors of North America. Is she serious? She can't be serious, Niga says. I don't respond. I can't respond. How could Shay believe anything these people say? She reddens. Well, I just think maybe we should hear them out more, see if this training and everything could be worthwhile. I shake my head. Don't believe what they're saying, Shay. This place isn't safe. I hope you're looking forward to continuing the story next week and finding out what happens with Bria and her friends. If you just can't wait, you can purchase the full audiobook wherever audiobooks are sold starting October 6th, 2023. If you're on the hunt for other great books, discover more epic, clean, young adult reads on the Read Clean YA with CJ podcast. Recruit of Talionis was written and narrated by CJ Malacy, and I can't wait to continue this journey with you next week.